So, hello and welcome to this very special Christmas slash New Year Salopcast uh, with myself, Glyn Price, and I'm joined as usual by the festive Ollie Warner. How are you, mate? Hi, Glyn. I'm good, mate. How are you doing? Nice to see you again. Though not that I can see you, we're back in our normal realm with you and Shrewsbury, my mean Starbridge. Yeah, I suppose it's Christmas. There's one big difference with this podcast, isn't Ollie? You've got an array of beers in front of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to um, be take, partaking in having a few beers as we go through the special pod. I think that's fair enough, Ollie, because it's going to be a bit more chilled this episode. We're um, we're going to be doing a retrospective looking back at the first 10 years at the New Meadow um, at the end of last season. Obviously, it was 10 years at the New Stadium and it's, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I'd say there's been more downtimes than uptimes. <laughs> I think there's been a few tough years in there. But no, yeah, it's going to be interesting as we go through this and um, yeah, go through some of the players and some of those old names and stuff. But there's been some good memories as well. So yeah, it should be good. Yeah, I think 10 years is a long time, isn't it, really, in, in terms of a football fan's life? You know, it's probably, if you're going to be going for 60-odd years, it's quite a big chunk of time. So yeah, it's, it's nice to look back at times like this, isn't it? Because we're obviously always looking on this podcast at what's happening right now and where we can go in the future. And yeah, it's nice, I think, for us to, to be able to give the fans a little bit of a look back at things so um yeah should be good we're gonna we're gonna cover a few things in this podcast we're gonna look back really at uh, the initial move and, and our thoughts and um the general fan base thoughts on, on moving from the game meadow which was a beloved stadium um we're then going to have a review of all the 10 seasons we've had so far just because a lot has happened and some some people might have forgotten that by now so um, we'll, we'll review that um then we're gonna have a look at statistics um top goal scorers and appearance makers because there's some quite interesting things to come out of that um and we're going to follow up with a quiz a christmas quiz for everybody to join in with so that should be fun. Ollie's not been allowed to look at the question in advance, so um, hopefully he won't fail spectacularly on the podcast, Ollie, because that would be embarrassing, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, and then, yeah, we're going to look at best and worst teams. Then we're going to look at the top 10 best and worst games, which was a bit of a, a labour of love looking at all of that. And then we're going to look at the best and worst moments, these specific moments at the new ground, and follow that with a sort of look at the managers that we've had during that time. So a lot to cover, Ollie. But um, yeah, it's going to be really fun looking back at some of the best and worst things that have gone on, isn't it? Because, you know, some really good things stand out and some really depressing things <laughs> have happened as well. So um, yeah, that'd be good. So there we go. I think we'll, we'll crack on, Ollie. At the goal scorer there. And it's oh, it's a goal! Mistake for the keeper, hammers it clear, and it's hit the time man on the back, it's Mangan, and it's ricocheted to the back of the net, it's a howler from an accident point of view, Mangan won't mind though. Okay, so yeah, ten years for the meadow, and obviously for a few fans and for some younger fans, probably won't understand why we moved and kind of some of the some of the backlog of that. So yeah, it's interesting for me. Um, the meadow was the first time I had a season ticket. Um, I'd finished uni, went travelling around the world and came back. So I kind of, I wasn't really around a lot for the for the big move. Mm. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to get your kind of, your view on that. Because yeah, I don't have a lot of in-depth knowledge, if I'm honest. <laughs> so yeah, so so yeah, should we just dive into it then, Glenn? So yeah, what, what, what were the reasons for the Meadow, for the Meadow move? Yeah, as I say, only really young people aren't going to quite understand. And even then, I think a little bit of research and you can understand why. It was a, a stadium where fundamentally we couldn't, you know, create an income 24-7 across seven days a week. You know, it was a, a football stadium where very little went on. So um, that was that was one of the primary drivers for it, wasn't it? And on, on top of that, you obviously had the issues with flooding and, and games getting called off. And- Water going over the goalpost was always quite a f- um, famous moment. And I remember hearing once that we couldn't even have we couldn't even get insurance for the ground. Yeah, we lost our safety certificate at one point, didn't we? And had a real struggle 
to get that before the start of one season. So there was lots of issues to the ground and, and, and the maintenance probably on it was was a big factor as well. And um, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I kind of first of all got engaged with sort of fan representation stuff back in the day in, in terms of they had an umbrella group and it was looking at the move and it was the first time I'd ever been into the club for these sort of fan-led issues and the chairman was there and all that sort of thing. And it was it was fascinating, the sort of work that was going on. But um, yeah, there was lots of, lots of fan input into certain issues. There wasn't a lot of fan input into some of the more design issues, I would suspect. But um, yeah, that, I think the move was was something that everybody understood, and um, you know the fan base. You know there was a big drive behind it to you know write letters to the paper to sort of get the plan and application through. We've got you know several people who've been on the podcast that are involved in that, but there was that tinge of absolute sadness that we didn't really want to go. If that makes sense, it's really strange, yeah. isn't it? Everyone saw it was the future, but you still didn't want to have to leave, Ollie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember going to the last few games. It's Grimsby at home, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember going to that one. I remember being in the old main stand for a change because I did have my own my own little kind of memories of the meadow. So I I, I actually started going to Shrewsbury just before you didn't I? I was in the eighteen in the eighties. I you started did. going. Uh, my dad um, was a Booker Cash and Carry manager and got us. And I always I started in the prawn sandwich brigade <laughs> um, and got free tickets um, through that way. So yeah, there's a lot of good, uh, nice memories. And also I think yeah, just as, just quickly on the meadow. What was your best memory of the meadow? Mine was I think beating Stafford Rangers because that was the first. <laughs> I really heard Shrewsbury Town fans in full voice. Yeah, interesting. Because um, I didn't go to a lot of games because see, I left Shrewsbury when I was eleven, so you know I never went to a lot of games when I was a kid. Um, so that was my big memory. Mm, I think mine was my, again to do with my age and, and the actual games that happened and, and the fact that it wasn't much good football in the era that I was watching. And it was the Everton game. I did a thing for Sky Sports once where they followed me around for the day, and we went down to the game meadow about maybe a season or so after it had been sort of knocked down or was in the process yeah. of being knocked down. And I said to, to the Sky cameras that that Everton game was my sort of pinnacle moment of my sort of teen adolescence growing up and, and, the, and the fact that that was such a good result so you know we were looking to leave those memories behind and, and strike onto this new stadium and um, yeah. what did you think when you first saw the plans of what it was going to look like and stuff were you excited or, or yeah I was excited I thought it was good um, I think it was um, it was I'm always quite a, a, a positive person and I like change um, yeah. so I thought it was good to kind of obviously the, the location um, was you know not idyllic in terms of the <laughs> sense that Shrewsbury was one of the, you know, and I think a lot of away fans enjoyed Shrews because there was loads of pubs to go to before the game. And, mm. you know, so it was, I think it was a good for the fans. But in terms of, yeah, the stadium, I was quite excited. And, yeah, it was the first time. Um, so I came back um, from travelling, got a job um, at Molson Cause, and then I, yeah, got my first season ticket and stuff. So, yeah, it was quite an exciting time for me. It's really started to get really close to the town. Yeah, I think I think that's what a lot of people felt, isn't it? And and I think it's hard to remember what it was like back to ten years ago before we actually started going there regularly, because obviously some of the niggles and bits and pieces that we've subsequently found maybe sort of temper what you think about it back then. But there yeah. was a definite air of excitement about moving, you know. Oh, definitely. The, the loss of a terrace was the key thing, wasn't it? That was the thing that niggled everybody the most, and and we we would have to have that adjustment period when we got there. But um, you know, once once everybody sort of got settled where they were, it kind of has drifted away until we've got back to talking about safe standing now. Yeah, just reminding me, I remember um, chatting to my mate Phil looking on the, online and, and we were debating about where we were going to get our season tickets yeah. and I remember telling Phil every all the singles were definitely in block 18 um, I don't think Phil was as confident as I was, but yeah, I was always quite pleased I got that one right. Oh, there you go. It was interesting because I think your first experience was the A-line game. They had an, an open um, game, actually went it? to There was an open day, wasn't there? There was an open day before. There then. was, yes. Yeah, so I got a shirt and went on the open day. But my first time in the West Stand, um, yes, was the A-line game. That's true. Then. Okay, I didn't realise. Yeah, I went to that open day as well. That was my first time yeah. into the stadium where you actually could go around and stand in all the seats and, and you were able to sort of pick your season ticket. And I remember at the end of that open day, me and sort of, I think it was 10 of us went down 
down and we all picked where we were going to sit and we basically all bought our season tickets in, in Block 17 where we've been ever since. So oh, okay. it, was, it was fantastic what the club did that day actually to, to enable you to visualise where you were going to be. Oh, cool. I did mine online and me and Phil um, were a bit f- further in front of you and yeah. then we went back to where we are yeah, now. Okay, um, so yeah, so it's, that was quite good. It was, it was tricky though because it was one of those things for most of us, particularly Riversiders or Wakeman Enders where, where I, was a, I was a Riversider just to the right hand side of the buffet in front of the singers. So I kind of wanted to replicate that, that position I was in at the old stadium which was funny yeah. because obviously I wasn't going to have singers behind me anymore. So it was a really tough choice I think for people to, to sort of find where they were going to sit but it all seemed to work itself out in the end, didn't it? it so did. we, we all got there, and that yeah, that first game, the A Line All Stars, was a four four nil win for Shrewsbury. It was a bit of an odd game, wasn't it? Do you remember who played? I can remember Zola playing. I remember Lasso playing, um, <laughs> but there was a few others, wasn't there? I mean, but it was nice to see Zola play. Um, in the yeah, we had a new new kit as well, didn't we? So that was quite fun. It was. There was a lot of players didn't turn up who were supposed to turn up, wasn't there? And were we... they? I didn't know that. I wasn't in the know in those days, Glenn. I was so, just, I was just a simple fan. <laughs> Suddenly, we had a lot of randomers playing. Yeah, the, t- the A-line team was Luke Steele, Austin McIntosh. Never heard of him. Graham Lasso, Mickey Brown, Steve Cross, Fest- uh, John Luca Fester. I think he played for Middlesbrough, didn't he? Yeah, he um, did. Yeah, Carl Palmer, Gustavo Poyet, Mickey Thomas, Don Goodman, uh, Gianfranco Zola, and Darren Caskey. So yeah, a few names that are recognised there still now back back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was an interesting team either way, but. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a four 0 win for Shrewsbury. So first game at the Meadow, really. Um, was it was a nice day out in the sun, as far as I remember. Dave Hibbert scored the first goal at the stadium, on the half hour mark, and then Danny Hall scored the second. And then these are some quiz questions. Second year scholar Tom Moss scored the third ever goal at the Meadow, and trialist Kieran Donnelly, who is apparently now plays for Kendall Town. I did some research. He got the fourth goal. So yeah, two random names there to have featured in our history, but. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good to get there and, and experience a game for the first time, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was good to have a nice pitch as well. That was always going to be quite interesting as well after the the meadow. I remember um, sending a question into the club. Um, I think I can't remember who it was now. I think it was it was Ian Wone or someone like that <laughs> asking him about the pitch um, and he had the meadow, and he said, "Yeah, it was very sandy." But um, yeah, I think it was nice to have a decent pitch and a good service. And there's yeah, it's kind of yeah, it marked a new era, didn't it? It gave great lot of opportunities to the club from a footballing and an off the field. Yeah, it definitely felt like a, a huge step forward in terms of the, the the corporate side of it as well, which you know it doesn't really affect us all on a day to day basis, does it? You know, but if your football club's making more money off a variety of people, then you know you had to you had to look at that as a positive, didn't you? And and you yeah. know accept that your football club had fundamentally changed from a you know. It did change, didn't it? Really, the, the ethos and, and the outlook of it a little bit. It became a bit more businesslike, but and unfortunately, because of the way that the world is, it needed to become more businesslike. Otherwise, oh, yeah. we would be a Chester or a Wrexham, wouldn't we? Yeah, I think we'd have been in trouble, wouldn't we? Because I think um, you know, kudos to the chairman for putting his hand in his pocket to keep us afloat in those days. And yeah, I think you know we're, we're we are a successfully run club, and yeah, we're in League One now, and yeah, it's unlikely we'd be in League One if we were still in the meadow. Mm. I know, and we could all agree that we wish we made the concourses a little bit wider. But you know, the design was yeah. what it was at the end of the day, and we still yeah, have to work there's a few things, it. isn't there, which yeah. which could be a bit better for the fan experience. So there we go. So we were at the new meadow. Uh, as it, as what was it then? It was the the greenhouse meadow, wasn't it, from the start? Yeah, it was greenhouse. Because yeah, yeah it was, wasn't it Sam Morris who um, didn't they call it some kind of weird kind of the greenhouse stadium or something and then i think i remember sam morris um on twitter and they, um, or on online on facebook was pushing that there should be you know more yeah. of a link to the old stand old stand i'm sure it was sam morris was involved um, and yeah and he got there was a poll and an online poll and then the decision was that yeah they went for the greenhouse meadow i'm sure it was greenhouse stadium at first or something boring like that that seems familiar but i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure already but you're probably right to be honest with you so i suppose the other thing that changed as well which was related to the stadium was the 
badge on the front of it. But um, we could do a whole podcast. <laughs> we could do a whole other podcast about that, Ollie. So yeah. we'll, we'll should leave that oh, there. So but... funny. So just a little tidbit on that. There's a um, there's like a nursing home near Shenston, near Litchfield, which has got the badge. One oh. day I will stop and take a picture of it. They, it has it has um, the shoes so similar to the line. It's all wow. always when we drive past, always gives me a smile. Oh, there we go. Good stuff. So there we go. So everyone was in situ, and we were looking forward to the yep. first season. So um, we'll move on to section two now, which is going to be a, a look back at the um, the first ten seasons at the, at the new ground, really, just to give us a bit of context as to what's gone on. Play towards the home end. Lionel Cole, good dribbling down the left hand side, ball in towards Barnett. It's scored. So, Glenn, you need to talk a little bit more because I'm near the end of my first beer, so I'm going to have to open up a second one. And um, but also, it's worth giving credit because you don't normally I do the agenda and a lot of the prep, but this time Glenn has done a lot of hard work for this pod. So, yeah, it's uh, over to you, Glenn. So, yeah, first season in charge, Gary Peters. Well, you know, so yeah, set the scene. What what happened in this season? So, yes, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, we were in League Two. Um, yes, first season at the New Meadows, you just said, with Gary Peters leading leading the boys. Um, and we were looking at maybe another run at the playoffs, um, having obviously got to them the season before. Um, but frankly, the season didn't go as planned, did it? And and those sort of hopes were dashed after Christmas when we had a really bad run. Um, so we fell right down the table to fourteenth. Gary Peters did not last his full season in charge at the New Meadow. Was sacked in February. Um, and then we had two games under John McMahon, which were both draws before the Messiah. <laughs> Paul Simpson arrived. <laughs> John McMahon. So where did he? So why was he? He was a backroom staff, wasn't he? he was, ah, he was okay. The, I didn't know that. Assistant, wasn't he? Yeah. So, um, yeah, he just took us for two games, um, and then Paul Simpson came in, and only won one <laughs> game between then and the end of the season, February to the end of the season. He only won one game, and we basically just about stayed up, um, finished eighteenth, but um, eight points clear of relegation in the end. So, wasn't a great season. The cups not great. We went out in the first round of the uh, the trophy and the. FA Cup and we only got to the second round of the League Cup as well so it wasn't a season to remember the first one at the New Meadow in all honesty no. um, and some of the key players were Langmead um, Mark Turney Ben Hurd and Dave Hibbert so yeah key players there but it was really a struggle and we, we thought that we'd, we'd improve potentially with the, the level of football we played but it, it wasn't the way it went unfortunately we, we didn't move on really and if, and if anything the season was a huge disappointment compared to the previous one where we'd obviously got one game away from going up so yeah that was 2007-2008 It's worth just noting on those players though just worth noting on those players that Paul Simpson did inherit quite a strong base there, didn't he? You know, Dave Hibbert, Ben Ben Hurd, Mark Tierney, Kevin Langmead. You've got some good players there. He did, and they certainly underperformed in that, that season. Others, yeah, yeah I, I think they underperformed in that season. And whether it was the move and it unsettled everybody a little bit and obviously losing a manager halfway through the season doesn't really help, does it? And then Simpson tried to integrate a few of his players, but it, it didn't work really. But no. at the end of the day, we stayed up, so it wasn't the worst. We didn't get relegated in our, <laughs> to the conference in our first season at the Meadows. So, yeah, 2008, 2009... Couldn't be worse, could it? And and in, in essence, it was a good season that one. So Paul Simpson got his first full season in charge. We're still in League Two, and it was it was a big improvement. It was the summer Ollie of the Wow signings. If yeah. you remember everyone biggest, talking about probably, that. Probably, yeah, probably the biggest signing we've probably had in the last ten years, maybe even the last twenty years in terms of money and kudos points mm. in terms of signing. Yeah, so Grant Holt obviously was the main man there. Um, the home form was much improved. We won fifty six percent of games at home, which was a, a massive step up from the season before. Um, Grant Holt bagged banged them in all season really, and Ben Davis was pulling the strings in midfield. Um, we had a seven 0 win, a five 0 win, um, and then obviously we got all the way to the playoffs, um, having had our, our hopes dashed quite near the end. And it was uh, Burry who we snuck by, 
And then we went to Wembley and lost, Holly, as we yeah. all were aware in that season. Always so, going to Wembley and losing. But that Gig Lane day, I think that's always going to go down as most people's um, best ever away day in terms mm-hmm. of atmosphere and, and result. And yeah, you could do a whole pod on that one, <laughs> that those those games, those three games, those two games, sorry, in the proposed semi-final. Yeah. It was a good fun season in all that one, to be honest with you, from what I remember. But Blythe was terrible. Yeah, so the cup, we, we, <laughs> we did quite well in the trophy, obviously. We got, we got a 7-0 win. Did you go to win. Blythe? Uh, I did go to Blythe, yeah. I, I've said this before about how we almost pulled the cables out the TV trucks and no one would ever see the highlights oh. but yeah, we never did in the end but um, yeah we, we did alright in the Cups that season we got obviously lost to Blythe but that was well that was the first round of the FA Cup the other Cups we went quite well, quite far in we got yeah. um, I think we got to the to almost the area semis for the trophy and we had yeah. another 7-0 away we had two 7-0 wins that season didn't we second one yeah. was away at Wickham so there we go so key players that season were Grant Holt uh, Ben Davis but also Calvin Langley was still there at the back as a rock and obviously Paul Murray who had been one of the what, where was Dave times. Edwards at this point He'd, He'd gone. gone the season yeah. before, hadn't he? Gone a long time ago. Gone to Luton. Yeah. No, it was the season, the last season at the Meadow he went. Oh, he never yeah. actually played the new ground. I no. remember, yeah. Okay. No, I don't think he That's did. a long time ago it was, well. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, it'd be nice to get him back and play at the Meadow at some point. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, do you want to give us a, a review of 2009, 2010 then, Ollie? Yeah, so their third season. Um, Simpson gets another go. Um, <laughs> another de- decent season. Um, but, yeah, time fall off the pace. And he gets sacked with one game to go yep. when we finish in 12th. But it was a disaster. It was another disastrous season in the sense that, you know, we were and we always have been, haven't we? Big spenders for League Two. Yep. And kind of summarising Paul Simpson's time together. For me, he's probably the biggest disappointment as a manager that we've had. Mm. Um, because I don't think many managers, you know, we'll we'll come on to managers later, so let's not talk about it too much now. But yeah. yeah, he's had he had a fantastic squad of players that all went on to loads of them went to play on a high level. So yeah, I always get frustrated when I hear the name Simpson. And the cups were just as bad, weren't they? That season, yeah. <laughs> Stains. I didn't go to the Stains games. Were you there? Yeah, we, well, I did go to Stains game. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more detail later. <laughs> I think. But um, yeah, we lost in the first round of every cup that season as well, which has just complemented the sort of disappointment of the season. So there we go. Key players. Dave Hibbert, Kelvin Langmead and Shane Cancel Sherris first season as well as Kevin McIntyre. You couldn't disagree with those four, could you? No, no, nah. some good players. Nah. There we yeah, go. Shane so, was a good, good sign-in. First game of the season, I remember that goal against Macclesfield, that was a cracker. Yeah, it was. It was I like Shane Cancel Sherriff, he was a good player. Yeah, he was a good um, player. So yeah, so 2010-11. So we obviously had Simpson had gone at the, the sort of the last game of the season. I can't even remember who took in charge the last game no. of the season. I think it was the backroom staff or something like that. But in the stats, when you look at it, it says we didn't have a manager that day. So he, okay. he did leave on the Friday night. So potentially we just didn't have a manager. Maybe one of the senior players took it. I can't quite remember now. But there oh, we go. So think, yeah, maybe 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 the, maybe the player did it themselves or Sunday <laughs> League style. I wouldn't be surprised. But um, yeah, 2010-11 then was better. Um, we waited for ages and ages for a manager to be announced and it was Graham Turner he was announced in June and he did it, I'm, I was joking when I said the Messiah returned this really was the return of our Messiah wasn't it in terms of yeah. GT coming back to the club um, and he brought back the good times his second home game was a, a, the classic 4-3 Charlton Cup game um, and he didn't that lose was a, a classic game that was that was brilliant I love that game it was a good game we're going to talk about that as well yeah. um, and he didn't lose a home game until January we went unbeaten all the start of the season to Christmas at home which was fantastic um, we were in the top team were in the top of the table all season um, but obviously the Wickham, Wickham ghost goal which we should also talk about was um, key between us getting automatic promotion in the playoffs and it was a very disappointing run in the playoffs with um, the games against Torquay yeah. so that wasn't that wasn't a great end to the season but it was good fun under Turner to start off with um, 
yeah, so we uh, yeah we did all right in the cups as well. Turner brought a bit of pride back there. We um, we lost in the first round to Southampton, but that was a creditable performance. Got to the second round of uh, the League Cup, so yeah, it wasn't wasn't too bad all in all. Um, and he brought in Matt Sadler, um, Mark Wright, uh, Matt Harold, and Shane Caswell Sheriff was also there as well. So some some key players that season as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, GT was the biggest thing he did. I thought was he brought back some sensible football. Because under Peters, obviously, we were played long ball, didn't we? Wimbledon yep. style. Paul Simpson, I don't think he really understood football tactics or anything. <laughs> I remember remember playing away at Rochdale, the only game in League Two to get to played because of the snow. Yeah, and we were playing long ball football to o- Omar Riza up front. <laughs> and I've never, you know, you see me whenever I'm on my rants, and I was furious. It was absolutely diabolical football. So yeah, I think <laughs> Turner brought some pride back to Shalab, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. And some sensible, nice. And you love wingers, so you must have loved the football under Turner. Yeah, it was much better, wasn't it? To be honest with you, say so that first season ended in disappointment, but you know we got to the playoffs, um, and then along comes his second season in charge, 2011, 2012, and it was even better, wasn't it? We, we got promotion, yeah. so yeah, cheap promotion at the, first, the second time of asking. Um, we went unbeaten at home all season, uh, thanks to a, a Matt Richards late winner, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, we had a great Carling Cup run with the trip to Arsenal, um, and obviously James Collins scoring there, and it was just a great season of football. We, we rode high the whole time. Um, yeah. capped off with some massive attendances towards the end of the season and then the last game versus Dagenham the pitch invasion and my man Mr Granderson singing on the balcony so that was just a brilliant season that one and it was also the start of our sort of more more upwards tick of, of forming the cups as well in terms of the, the this league cup particularly we beat a lot of league teams uh, sort of higher league teams haven't we in the last five years yeah. um, but this season we beat both Derby and Swansea in the Carling Cup before we went to Arsenal um, but unfortunately the FA Cup was a disappointing loss to Newport in round two so yeah there we go we were led well by Ian Sharps that season but yeah you're right the wingers Mark Wright was fantastic Shane Scandal Sheriff also had another good season his third one in a row and uh, Matt Richards was a good signing yeah he was really... a good signing wasn't he he was a good player yeah he complimented the midfield really well. So there we go. So sixth season at the Meadow, 2012-2013, Ollie. What happened then? Yeah, this was the um, where our, I don't know whether it was a budget thing or what, but this is where um, loan players kind of came to the fore, wasn't yeah. there? Um, and and you, uh, you've written here that we had 14 across the season, which is mm-hmm. just, you know, put that into context of now where we're, where there's a very sensible approach to loans. It was it was a bit ridiculous. It was like a revolving door, wasn't it, of yep. loans coming in constantly, um, often on real short deals as well. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was a tough season. It was a tough season that one. Um, yeah, home form okay, poor form, only four wins away all season. Yeah, um, but we did finish sixteenth, which was which was good and stabilised us as a League One team. And we thought that you know that would be one of the you know that would kind of be. After that season, we thought we were going to kind of you know cement ourselves in the in the League One, didn't we? We did, yeah. As I say, we've not we've not bested that that league finish out, have we? Since and that was 2012-2013. So, yeah, it was it was it was a it was a hard season to watch sometimes, particularly I say with the away form. But um, it did stabilise us up there, and that's all you could have really asked for GT yeah. to do there. Um, and and he did what he needed to do with those loan signings. That was the season where they kind of worked much better than the next season, which we'll talk yeah. about. So. But it was exciting for for a young player coming through, John Taylor. I really like John Taylor. He was a good player. Yeah. Um, obviously, Chris Wheel is in goal. Marvin Morgan, mm-hmm. um, who obviously spent a lot of time on his fashion business, just as just as much as he did on playing football. Um, but yeah, it was some lot of characters in, in those times, and it was yeah, it was a good time. It was quite an enjoyable. It was quite an enjoyable season, wasn't it? Really, after the seasons before in the context, it was it was a good one. It was the only disappointment on top of, of sort of not not doing as well. Yeah was the Cups really because we'd, we'd yeah. obviously done well and, and we'd got to Arsenal the, last year and we went out in the first round of all the Cups including a 4-0 loss to Leeds in the League Cup so that wasn't too good but um, you know it felt like we were an established 
League One team, and and you know we were still looking forward, weren't we? So GT had another season after that, 2013-14, and he went lone player crazy this season. So I think we had 14 in the previous season. I think we had 21 in the next season, which was you know Sydney Schmelz and and the like, and it was oh it was got awful. Some of these names, I just yeah, looking at (laughs) when you when you look all the all the work you've done for this, looking at some of the players' names, I'm like. Some of the players that even played 20 games, I can't remember, let alone the ones that came on loan for a month. Because in those days, yeah, you used to often get a player for a month, didn't they? And they used to play, yeah, two or three games. And they're gone. And if you're only, yeah, if you're, a, if you're a season ticket holder and you don't go to many away games, some of these players you might have only seen once. Mm. And it, this was the season where it was probably just a big disappointment, was it? Because we all wanted GT to succeed and he was, yeah. he was our man, wasn't he? But the, the strategy this season of the lone players didn't pay off at all. Um, the early season form was absolutely rubbish. We only got six points by, seven points by November um, and the right was already on the wall then. Um, yeah. And by the time we got to the festive period, there was a lot of pressure on GT to step down, wasn't there then? Yeah. Um, but to be fair to Roland and you know their friends and also that what he'd done for the club, he gave him a bit more of a chance. Um, but we had another seven losses in ten and by mid-January... Um, Turner had to step down with his, yeah. with his pride intact. I think just about then he did the right thing for the club. Yeah, um, I think, I, and I think with with the beauty of hindsight now, you know, I think Turner will always be remembered for his his, his exploits in the eighties, seventy nine eight, and the eight in the eighties, and how well he did for the club, um, and also obviously getting us back into League One and you know attractive football. So yeah. I think his legacy is intact. Would you agree? One hundred percent. Yeah, to, to have yeah. come and had. You know, the unbeaten season was just unreal. You know, we'll never see And it says a lot about for a man as well, because, you know, football, you know, Alex Ferguson had to adapt a lot to during his career to come back into football again, obviously being a chairman for such a long time at Hereford, Mm -hmm. um, to come back as a testament to, you know, what a kind of, yeah, what a good manager he is and what a a good, solid solid man manager he was. Completely, yeah. I mean, even when GT went in January, we still weren't in massive amounts of trouble. Um, He still got us enough results to be sort of hovering above the relegation zone. But the chairman made probably the worst decision, one of the worst decisions in the, in the time he's made since we've been at the New Meadow and he decided to give old Mike Jackson his little pet project a go um, and it was worse if anything Town pretty much almost got relegated under Jackson didn't they um, and they stayed out of the releg- relegation places with one game to go um, and it was it was clear then that Mark Jackson wasn't really the man to take us forward in the next season, was it? Yeah, definitely and oh, it was painful wasn't it? I really wanted him <laughs> to succeed I really wanted him to succeed but, yeah, but he didn't <laughs> but He didn't and, and it's an interesting one was it him was it was it him as a manager? You know, I, felt, I did feel for him because he took on a, yeah, it was it was a difficult task to take on, and he got slated. Um, but then the players, I think we had that squad was was appalling. It, it was appalling squad. So I I wouldn't criticise him. Too, I wouldn't be too harsh to criticise Jackson for that period. I think he was dealt a very poor hand. It's a bit polarising. There's a lot of fans who agree with you. There's a lot of fans that think he's just never going to make it as a manager and, and conversely never has done since. And it's yeah. been five years now. So I, I just thought he just, didn't quite, he just didn't quite have it really. And it was quite clear from maybe five or six games in that we were going to probably regret it. But we got away with it really. We lost yeah. in the first round of the Cups, <laughs> all of them again for the second season in a row. But a bit needs must. We we did blood Connor Goldson and Ryan Woods in this season. Yeah. And they both kind of actually came to the fore a little bit. I'm not sure whether they, they actually both start. I think they might have played a little bit the season before. But um, they both certainly came to the fore that season. And, and alongside Paul Parry who had a reasonable season considering everything and also Joe Jacobson as well so those were the standouts there really um, yeah. so yeah so it was time to look for a manager over the new summer and in 2014-15 who stepped forward? Big Mickey Mellon <laughs> the Mellon Meister came in yeah. um, and he, he transformed the club didn't he he came mm-hmm. in um, he came in he signed 17 players um, and yeah he brought a lot of pride back to the team and it was a really, really fun season. 
Um, we were going toe to toe, and it was just fun, wasn't it? You know, we played some okay football. Um, we had a nice mix of some youngsters. Um, we had obviously he signed Jason Lutweiler, yep. become a bit of a town legend. Bobby Grant came in on loan. James Collins came back. Um, Connor Goldson was was a star in central defence, yep. and Ryan Woods really came to the fore. And it was a good season for the league, for the cups as well. So we had a good run in the League Cup. Um, where we obviously beat Blackpool, Norwich, and then we had the big Chelsea game yep. um, with Jose coming into town, which is always <laughs> quite a big memory with um, Drogba time-wasting and Oscar kicking lumps out of, um, out of Ryan Woods. And I remember um, Henry Winter um, writing some really nice words about Woods and Conor yep. Goldson, so that was good. And Yeah, it was just a fun season, wasn't it? And yeah, accumulated with um, kind of an emotional day at Cheltenham where, a bit similar to now, I had me and Phil had loads of beers on the train. <laughs> Uh, got the train down, and yeah, had a very very fun day. It was good. Yeah, it was. It was. An, it was a very yeah very strange season as well because we obviously lost a couple of fans yeah. before that Cheltenham game. There was a whole lot of sort of sadness and and pride about the season, and um, that's what that's what I thought. Mickey brought the pride back with a team that had yeah, a cutting edge, did. but also worked really hard. So um, yeah, that, that was good. I think that it was it was a good season, and to, to to come into a club and get them promoted in the first season was was a good job. You couldn't disagree with anything Mickey Manor did that season. No. It was all perfect. The only problem is, in 2015-16, he went a bit mad again, and um, he completely ripped that team up, didn't he? That was the yeah. most frustrating thing. And it's, and a, it's a funny thing. At the time, I felt like he, th- I felt like, I mean, like he needed to, but hindsight's a wonderful thing, and yeah, Bert and Albion didn't rip up the team, did they? Mm. But then there's a, yeah, there's a lot of debate, isn't there, about you know the, the qualities of, of Granderson and Joe Jacobson and some of those guys that did, a, did well for us. Yep. Um, yeah, there's probably an argument to say that you know we should have given them a chance because mm. um, there was a togetherness there. But there were some players that were causing you know some trouble in the dressing room, like Lawrence and people yep. like that. So yeah, it was it was a shame. So yeah, well, so what happened? The, what happened in the first season back in League One? Yeah, I mean it was a bit like Turner's first season. It stabilised us, didn't it? But it wasn't great. I think that's the best thing to say. And and we slipped back to an over reliance on loan players. Um, one of them eventually was one of the lads that saved us. When you look at how Kai Kai did, but yeah, a lot of them his pr- goals would have been yeah absolutely um, screwed. Yeah, so. He effectively saved us with those goals I think yeah. um, but mid-season we were pretty much distracted by the FA Cup run where we obviously went on a big run and beat Gainsborough um, Paul Hurst Grimsby um, beat Cardiff Sheffield Wednesday and then obviously the Man United game which was a bit of a damn squib but um, I think that distracted us during that um, but at the end Mickey did keep us keep us up and he kept himself in a job and he was very clear at the end of the season he was going to vow to learn from his mistakes so um, he had brought Abu Wagogo in so we've got to thank him for that um, yeah. Sally Kaikai was another standout that season he, we had a he we had a signed some good players in the first season that's the thing that's so frustrating about Mickey Mera's era is he signed in the first season he signed some cracking players mm. NKP yeah. and Junior Brown yeah well. Junior Brown you know some real players that have gone on and done on really well for us and, yeah. and, and I just yeah, the Mickey Miller era. Obviously, we started the uh, the podcast the season after, so the next season we're coming on to now. But he he there's so many positives in that era, and <laughs> I think he was a really nice guy. Like you said, you know, he connected well and he spoke on behalf of the fans and the club in a really in a really kind of professional kind of yeah. way, didn't he? Yeah. But um, but here's a question for you, Glenn: Should we have sacked him at the end of that season? Oh, looking back, we should have done, yeah. But yeah. Um, and I felt at the time, he, but he just about deserved a crack, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. But the the thing that's the most frustrating thing about Mickey Mellon's era is the first transfer window in the summer, and then I can't remember who we signed in the January, but he did obviously a fantastic job. And then all the transfer windows afterwards, he completely balled yeah. up, balls yeah. up. He they were terrible, terrible signings. And yeah, we're coming on now onto the League One ready team. 
Yeah, so 2016-17. Obviously, last season we can't do too much, but it'd be right. You got the you got the summer transfer window completely wrong that year, and the players that came in were not League One ready. Didn't have the right DNA, as Mickey would say. Um, but he didn't learn from his mistakes, and the start of the season was absolutely awful. We only won one, uh, two games up to October, and the right was on the wall after another poor home draw. And Mickey was on his way with Town in the relegation places. Um, and then from there, we had a four-game losing patch under Danny Coyne um, that put us bottom. <laughs> that went well, and yeah. luckily. The man that arrived was the second Messiah. It was Paul Hurst, um, and he did it. He did it well with a hell of a job on his hands. Turned things around straight away. Dressed the home form. Only lost one game in fourteen, and did well in the January transfer window. And we were safe with a couple of games to go with Gary Deegan, Jason. It was Lewiner. a bit tight at the end, wasn't it? It was tight at the end. It was tight. Yeah, we we flunked off, and then we just about got it back, didn't we? But um, yeah, there we go. So that's that's what's gone on. But the biggest thing about, I think, in terms of Shrewsbury Town, that we started a podcast that season as well. Oh, season, yeah, season, uh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Oh God, it feels like a long time ago now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. So that's that's our review of the ten years. Hopefully, it's brought yeah. back some thoughts about it. And we're gonna we're obviously gonna dip into a few different things now. So we're gonna um, we're gonna move on now to looking at some stats, top goal scorers, and top appearances for the last ten years. Very well by Sharps, the captain. Montrose nodded forward up towards uh, Grendel. On the turn, it's Bevan now who takes over. Bevan shoots. Ball ricocheting around as it's been turned in. Smith made the save. It's been given, has it? Goal has been given. Wick of a level. Ben Smith fully fished it out from on the line. He seemed to be wrong footed initially. But Wick of a level and it's Ainsworth is getting the congratulations. Shoots me one, Wick of one. And Ben Smith is raging with an Eisman on the near side. Well, we can't see from here, Stuart, but to me, I looked at the linesman straight away. I looked at the linesman straight away, and he was two yards off the touchline. So, uh, we're going to look at some statistics now, and we're going to round this off with a quiz, um, which we're going to do in a way that means everyone can have a go at it, because um, there's some interesting things there, and, and yeah, we'll see who can get the answers right. You'll have to be honest and, and uh, send messages into Sapcast Twitter or our Facebook and tell us what you got. But, um, yeah, I thought it was worth, worth looking really on, just looking at the players that have played the most times at, for home games only, um, and goal scorers as well, um, during this period of time. So... Um, yeah, sorry, not home games. Only, just, this is every game actually. Um, so yeah, the, the top appearance makers in the in the last ten years, you you wouldn't have guessed this, but we'll run through them. Um, we'll run through them from ten to, to uh, first place. Um, but yeah, Connor Golson, number ten, 120 appearances, just beating Matt Sadler, uh, just a, sorry below Matt Sadler on 122, um, who was also level with Mark Wright on 122. Um, Kelvin Langmead, 130. Kevin McIntyre, 140, which is the same as Jason Lutweiler, also on 140. John Taylor, 144. James Collins, 154. Shane Council, Sheriff, 168. And my man, <laughs> Jermaine Grandison, 174. So since we moved to the stadium, um, not including this season, it was Jermaine Grandison that had played the most times for Shrewsbury Football Club. So I think that's a, that's a nice feather in his pocket, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and it's surprising. Yeah. I think that's, that was a, when I saw those, that, that was a big surprise for me. When you think yeah. about it in context, it's not that surprising because he was there for quite a while. But yeah, it's um, it is surprising. I thought yeah, Shane or James Collins would have been would have been further ahead. Yeah, that stat takes into account all appearances. So for Grandison, it was 158 starts, 16 substitute appearances. But Shane's Carroll Stairs had the most starts. He had two more. He had 160, but less less obviously substitute appearances. So yeah, there we go. I don't I don't know if anyone had actually uh, would have been aware of that or would have guessed it. We did ask this question a while back, and hardly anyone got it right. So. Um, yeah. There we go. That was the appearances. And it's interesting that John Taylor played as many, so many games as well. It shows he was there for quite a while, wasn't he? Yeah, it does. I, I, I was looking at that. I was thinking that was the other shocker. And he's the sort of the, the highest appearance maker of all the homegrown players in the last 10 years. And so, yeah, that's that's a, a credible thing for him as well. And, and, you know, he's gone on to have a good career, hasn't he? 
Yeah, no, definitely. So goal scorers, um, <laughs> Andy Mangan scrapes in at number 10 with 16 <laughs> goals. Um, so Akpro gets 16 as well. Tom yep. Bradshaw had 17, which always makes me, um, yeah, always a bit of a tender sadness and thinking he didn't score more goals than that. But 17, you know, he scored more than Andy Mangan and Akpro. So that's surprised yep. some, I think. Um, Marvin Morgan with 18. Ben Davis with 19. John Taylor, 21, was just a testament to what a good player he was. Yeah. And Mark Wright scored more goals in less games, um, who comes in fourth. Um, Grant Holt, third, which is ridiculous, he's only there for one season. It's mental, With 28 it? goals in 51 games. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of shows we haven't, we haven't, been, we haven't been blessed with um, great goal scorers. So Dave Hibbert comes second with 30 goals in 111 and then James Collins with 48 goals. Um, but both of them, you know, have got... got um, in terms of their goals per goal, um, game ratio of 0.3 yeah, it's less, pretty, low, isn't it? it's pretty yeah. poor, isn't it? You know, so yeah, we haven't been blessed. We've got a great goal scorers, have we? That's, a, that's one thing we can take from this. But there's a lot of midfielders in there as well, which kind of says a lot. Yeah, it's 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 funny because Kai Kai only just misses off the bottom of that list, and he was only here for one season. Well. <laughs> it, it it shows me, doesn't it, that if you if you can be in the top ten goal scorers over a ten year period and you've only scored sixteen goals in all competitions, that's pretty rubbish, isn't it? It says honestly. a lot as well, doesn't it, in terms of we do sign players on two year deals? Yeah, yeah, true enough. So yeah, it wouldn't take much for one of our lads this year the, play, the way we're playing. I mean. What's Wally on now? He got ten goals this season, so he's probably with his goals last season, the season before. He's probably well up onto that list if you look back on the ten years now. But yeah, there we go. So anyway, that's we thought it was worth running through those stats. But whilst I was doing those stats, I, I started looking at some more interesting um, statistics, and I thought a nice way to present this, Ollie, would be to quiz you on it. So um, I put a ten question quiz on here. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through all the questions, Ollie, and you're going to have a little think and write yeah. your answer down, and then we'll run through the answers at the end and see how many you got right. So. Um, yeah, you've not looked at this, have you, Ollie? Promise no, me. I haven't. Good. No, I promise I haven't. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, question number one. Goalkeepers excluded. Who played the most games in the last 10 years without scoring a goal? Ooh, okay. Cool. Okay, question number two. Who played more times for Shrewsbury Town Football Club? Steve Leslie or Dave Hibbert? Okay. Okie dokie. In the last 10 seasons, the first 10 seasons we're obviously looking at at the New Meadow, who came on as a substitute the most amount of times? Ooh, okay. Yep. Okay, who has the most appearances for Shrewsbury Town Football Club in the last 10 years without starting a game? So the most, most number of subs appearances? Basically, yeah, but, without, but never started a game. Only ever played as a sub. Only ever been a sub? Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, I, that's a tough one. It's hard, isn't it? That's a real tough one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Question number five. Name the only two players to score more than one goal in the FA Cup. Okay. Question six. Name the first competitive goal scorer at the New Meadow. Okay. Okay. This is a hard question. You'll you'll probably never get this, but it's an interesting fact sort of thing. Anyway, question seven: Which Chelsea player scored the first ever international goal at the New Meadow? We must have been an under twenty-one game. It's it's one of the international games we had, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is more of a, a judgment one. Who scored more goals for Shrewsbury Town, Ian Black or Paul Murray in the last ten years? Okay. Okay, dokey. Now this is an incredibly hard question. Who got the first red card at the New Meadow? Ooh. And there's a half point if you get Shrewsbury Town player. And I'll give you a clue, it, the first player was not a Shrewsbury Town player. Oh, that's impossible. Yeah, but you can get you get half a point for the first Shrewsbury Town red card. Okay. Oh, I'm not, I'll have to just go for the second bit then. I've got no yeah, that's idea. fine. Um, someone, someone, some, yeah, some, fans, some fans will remember that. I was trying to think of who even was playing in the first season. I have to think back to that summary we've just done. I'll give you a clue. It didn't occur in the first season, Ollie. Oh. That's the only clue I'll give you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I've gone for, I've gone for a player's name and I'm going to keep that. Question 10. In the first season at the New Meadow, 
who played the most games that season, and that does include home and away games. Okay, I've put my answer down. So, Ollie, you've got an answer for all ten of those questions, my friend. Nearly. I just don't know how to just want to just <laughs> don't know how to spell that one of these this player I need to look for. <laughs> I won't judge you down for incorrect spelling, that's fine. So hopefully anyone that's been listening tonight and um, today on the podcast has, has had a go at some of those answers. So yeah, we'll, we'll go through the answers now and see how many you get out of 10, Ollie. So yeah, goalkeepers excluded. Who played the most games um, in the last 10 years without scoring? Who did you go for? I went for a go-go. Oh, it is Ben Hurd. He played 74 games and he scored zero goals. I think some people might get that because it was a thing with Ben Hurd that he never scored goals. So yep. there we go. Um who played more time, Steve Leslie or Dave Hibbert? I went Dave Hibbert. It is not. It was Steve Leslie. Played 112 games and Dave Hibbert played 111 games. I was a bit harsh there because there was only one between them, but I was massively surprised by that. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit of the wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, he, um, he obviously played, he played a huge amount of games as a substitute, Steve Leslie, So, and he was here for a long time. But um, yeah, there you go. Nought from two so far, Ollie. Um, in the last t- 10 seasons, who came on as a sub the most? I've gone for Bradshaw. Got it right, Ollie. That's a great guess, that. That's a good answer to have got. Great it was, guess. It wasn't a guess. It was what? Well, it wasn't a guess. Knowledge. <laughs> 52 times. 52 times he, he came on as a sub. So, yeah, good one. Who has the most substitute appearances in the last 10 years that start in a game? I have no idea. This one was just too hard. Yeah, it was a hard question, that. But it was. I thought it was interesting. It was Andre Gray, obviously, looking at what ah. he's gone on to. But he only played for us five times, and they were all as a substitute. So, um, yeah, I thought that was an interesting uh, little tidbit from looking at the stats. Um, did you get the two any of the two players to score more than one goal in the FA Cup? I got McAllister. Nope. And then Akpro. No. Oh. Jack Grimmett and James Collins. Jack Grimmett oh, okay. won in two different seasons, and obviously James Collins won in his first stint, one in his second stint. So there we go. Um, did you get the first goal scorer at the New Meadow? I went for Hibbert. Darren Kempson was a header in the last minute versus Colchester in the League Cup, which oddly was our first home game that first season because our first away, our first. So our first game of the season is obviously always an away game because yeah. of the flower show. So it was in the League Cup. So yeah, Darren Kempson. Um, this was a really hard question, I think. But um, yeah, the first Chelsea player to score the, the first ever international goal at the Meadow was in November 2007 when we had the women's international team there. Uh, and Karen Carney, who now plays for the Chelsea I was going team. for that Chelsea, that player, um, that Muck player, I can't think of his name. He was like, the last player from the Ch- English player from the Chelsea youth team to play a couple of games. He was supposed to be a big thing, a Central field player. Yeah. Can't well, his name, no. It wasn't him. It was a no. woman. So it's a bit of a trick question, but it technically a first international goal. It was the first. Obviously, we had the, the privilege of having that game at the Meadow, didn't we? In the first season, so that was um, that was good. Um, who scored more goals, Ian Black or Paul Murray? I went for Paul Murray. Yeah, I psyched you out because I don't like Ian Black. Yeah. He actually, Ian Black scored more. He was on pens, wasn't he? he scored four. Yeah. Paul Murray only ever scored two goals, which was a shame. Um, so there you go. That was wrong. You, you were really struggling this one, weren't you? Who got the first red card? So. I've, I'll say yeah. this. Go on. You go for it then, yeah. So I've, I've got I guess my, my, my Shrewsbury Town guess. I'm fairly confident with it. But well, I better sorry. let you say it first in case you are cheating, Ollie. I'm going to go for Mark Tierney. No. So, interesting thing here. We never got a red card in a home game at the New Meadow until October 2009, almost two seasons after we actually started playing okay. there. Um, and it was Graham Coughlin. Um, we had 12 red cards given against opposition teams before that so 12 <laughs> yeah that's phenomenal it was amazing wasn't it yeah so we obviously waited until 2009 to have our um, our first red card um, and obviously you know the opposition had 12 I, I remember that now the more I thought about it when looking at the status we did tend to get a lot more red cards given against us because we always thought we were a bit more vociferous in terms of you know getting on the back of referees but there we go the first red card was in the first season it was in September actually um and it was Ryan Bennett of Grimsby in the 90th minute, 1st of September 2007. So there you go. That was the last. That was the second last question. And the last question in the first season at New Meadow, who played the most games? I'm going for Langmead. Oh, he was second. It was Ben Hurd. 
played 48 games. He literally played like one or two more games in Langmead. So there you go. That was my incredibly hard quiz. <laughs> Sorry about that, Ollie. <laughs> which I got seen, one right. Which you got one from. If anyone out there listened to that and got more than that and are honest, let us know because um, it was interesting going through those stats. And it's, it's those little... You know, you like stats as well. So those little quirky things about you know what happened and bits and pieces that, that stood out to me looking at it. So um, there we go. I definitely didn't Ollie. cheat, did I? You did not cheat. No, that's for sure. You definitely <laughs> didn't cheat. So um, yeah, we'll leave stats there now. Um, I think that uh, we've done our, our fun Christmas quiz, um, and we'll, we'll move on now to looking at our best and worst teams of the last ten seasons, which should be a bit of fun, Ollie. Graham Turner, what you got in front of him every day? Lovely ball in. Could be an own goal. It's uh, still there, still alive for Harold. Harold pulls it back. Okay, so yeah, my team, um, we, <laughs> as I kind of insinuated, we kind of lacked uh, prolific goal scorers, didn't we, in this in our period of the 10 minute, 10 years <laughs> of the meadow. So yep. I've gone for a um, a four four one one formation um, <laughs> to kind of like, yeah take a striker out. So I've gone for Jason Lutvala in goal. He's got to be the you know the main man, hasn't he? He's been the best goalkeeper really over the 10 years. Mm-hmm. I've gone for but Ben Hurd right back and Mark Tierney left back. Um, Connor Goldson and Shane um, Chantal Sheriff in central defence. Um, John Taylor on the right wing, Mark Wright on the left wing, and then Woods and Agogo. That's a good midfield, isn't it? With Ben with Ben Davis um, playing behind Grant Holt. Oh, in the uh, so I think you know you, that team would have had everything, wouldn't it? it would have been, I think it'd be a very much a passing team. Um, I think you know. I think Paul Hurst would do a good job with that team. That's that getting the championship. That team. If, if, yeah. if we had that team now, when they were all in their pomp, we'd easily get into the championship. Yeah, what, what a team that is! I say a lot with with best teams. It's 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 um it is interesting looking at all those players. They all stand out to them. And to be honest with you, when I looked at my best team, I had very similar players. So I went for Lutweiler, Goldson, Woods, Agogo, Mark Wright, and Grant Holt. They're all the same. I've got all the same players. I went for a four four two though. Um, obviously, I went for Jermaine Grandison at right back. He's not a right. <laughs> Shut up, Ollie. I had to get him in there somewhere, and I couldn't get him in ahead exactly. of Exactly, uh... you had to squeeze it in, and that's how rubbish he is. Yeah, and you know I love Knight Percival. I had to yeah, he's my other the Rolls Royce. Yeah, he was a class player. Um, and then with four four two, I had a left back. Uh, I went for Junior Brown, um, just because of how he's he's moulded in really a little bit more, and, and we've seen even more from him this season. And, um, maybe it's a bit harsh on Mark Turney, but I've, I've gone for Junior. Um, and then for my wingers, I've gone for Chris Humphrey and Mark Wright, um, with as I said, Ryan Woods and Agogo in central midfield. And then up front, I went for four four two. So I had James Collins, obviously our, our top goal scorer during that period of time, to dovetail with Grant Holt. So yeah, you know, it, it's interesting that you know anyone that picks a, a team from that ten years time are probably going to not be able to pick anyone other than Jason Lutwiler, and, and everyone's going to have Connor Goldson in there as well. So yeah. yeah, interesting to look at those two teams. But I found it much more entertaining to do the worst team. Oh man, still some <laughs> rubbish. This is a, this is a I really enjoyed making this team because I think the goalkeepers was, was hardest because we haven't really had any abysmal goalkeepers mm, yeah so, true so I went for Glyn Garner in goal and then this back three I went for went for because um, because we've had some good fullbacks and we've had some so many terrible central midfield central defenders sorry I had to put three central defenders in my team Fair and enough. this central defence would give you a heart attack <laughs> <laughs> so I went oh. for um for um for I can't remember how how he pronounced his name. Was it Maca no no Macadiri. Macadiri, whatever his name was. Yeah, Macadiri, whatever his name was. And then Ryan McGiven and Anthony Gerrard. Oh, that God. is a terrible back three. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. And then some of the midfielders, some of the players I couldn't remember. Um, so like, yeah, Rob Purdy, he's played quite a few games for us actually. Um Richie Wellens was just rubbish and Sarsovic was just 
fat, fat. and crap. <laughs> um, and then Ian Black, I had to put him in there just for comical reasons, where he wasn't actually too bad. Um, nope. And then a terrible player, Jake Simpson, was just pathetic. It was bad. And then strikers, man, oh. these these would like scare central defenders, not because um, they're very good at football. They might actually hurt them because they're that <laughs> uncoordinated. So, yeah, we've um, got Carl Vassell up front and Chris Bright. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that team would just be... I reckon if, if my best team played my worst team, it'd be like 8-0. <laughs> my, 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 my best team is just full of model pros who you know look after themselves and yeah my um my my worst team was just a bunch of fat pub team players <laughs> oh man rob purdy he was a he was one of gt's favorites wasn't he but he, yeah. was, he was literally the Sunday league player but um yeah i can't disagree with you about that team it's pretty bad i went for 442 so i've gone slightly different with some other position yeah. but i i had got a scott bevan in I, I was never really convinced by him um to be honest no, with you. he wasn't and, great and, and, as I say, it was hard with goalkeepers though because he wasn't really awful. But he, in the games we played, he, he never really convinced me. So that's what I went for. For right back, I went for Matt Tootle, but mainly because he came in with a lot of promise and we never yeah, really saw him play. Rubbish, and he had off-field issues, but you know, it was a huge disappointment really in terms of what we got out of him. So I put Matt Tootle in there. Um, I had Matt, I, I obviously went for two centre backs, so I had McGiven and Gerrard, um, which no one could argue with. They are definitely the two worst centre backs we've had in the last ten years. So. Um, Oh God, just absolutely awful. Um, and left back, I went for James Meredith. He was only a kid when he came in, but he was really unfit and he was really bad in the games he played for us. I remember he played one of the worst games I've ever seen anyone have away at Barnet um, just before Gary Peters got sacked, and it was literally embarrassingly bad, harsh because he was young at the time. But you know, he's he's probably the worst left back we've had in that period of time for who played. Has a he done bad anything game. since? Uh, he did go up a bit, up the leagues a little bit, but I think he ends up and then playing with Luton now or something like that. I can't remember now. I think he did have a reasonable career, mate. Yeah, I think he he's done all right. Um, right wing Jamie Devitt. Oh my god, he he actually started really well, and then he ended up having a terrible season. Um, he was a bad player, and I've obviously also gone for Richie Wellens and Anthony Sarsovic in central midfield. To be fair, as much as I moan about Ian Black on this podcast, is no way he was worse than either of those two players. Um, as much as he was poor, and then again, I've gone Jake Simpson left wing. And my, my striker is slightly different. I've got Carl Vassell with his 21 games and zero goals. Um, but I've partnered him with the big man, Silver Bax Blake, who now plays for Telford, which tells all you need to know about him. He was god-awful for us as well. So, yeah, there we go. I, I think one thing I wanted to ask you, Ollie, on, on the basis of those teams is, which is your best player of those 10 years and your worst player, if you had to pick one? Um, kind of, um, um, I'm going for Ryan, no, John Taylor. John Taylor was my best, I think. I just, okay. just really enjoyable player and really liked his worth ethic. He's a good player. Um, worst player, um, it's got to be Anthony Gerrard. He's just, he's just <laughs> not a professional footballer. I 100% agree with the worst player. He's definitely my top worst player. I tell you what, era. if our, my worst team played your worst team, that would be a game and a half. <laughs> If he, there'd be a lot of, I, I want to say there'd be a lot of goals or no goals because the defence is so bad, but also so the strikers. So there we go. It, it would be this, just comical. Yeah, and it was also for his bloody move into Oldham, coming back the next week after he left, and then they won, didn't they? So there we go. Um, so there we go. And I think my best player, I'd probably go for Conor Golson. I just thought he was fantastic. Yeah, for us he's as, class as a, player, leader, so. and he's and, and obviously by the time we're doing this now, he, he played his first game in the Premier yep. League and got man of the match. It's just, it's just fantastic to see him do so well. Um, yeah, well played to him. He's a good, good guy. There we go. So that's that's our best and worst teams. Um, if anyone wants to send their best and worst teams in, we might read a few more of that over the next yeah. few weeks, just as an interesting one. So yeah, we're we're happy to receive those. Um, so there we go. We're now going to look at the best and worst games again. More entertaining to do the worst games, but um, yeah, we're going to look at the best and worst games now. Can the keeper gathers it. That's it. Keeper to stop his run. Yeah! 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 Yeah!
So the best and worst home games in the last 10 years um, since we, we moved to the New Meadow. Bit of a preamble about this. Um, this is a bit subjective. Obviously, everyone has their best and worst sort of memories of games. Um, some of these are based on the sort of feeling of how bad it was when we sort of came out of the game and, and bits and pieces like that. So, you know, for example, I was, we were having some chat with some people on Twitter before about um, the Dar- Darlington home game we lost, where you know the Mellon came out and called the fans diabolical, um, or we called the I can't remember if we called the fans always players guy diabolical. Now I can't remember, but there's so many games like that that it was so hard, and we ended up with a list of 32 of the best and worst home games across the 10 seasons, and you know, we could have probably added to that, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, it was difficult to pick these, wasn't it, Ollie? And, and yeah, I think that's that's all we could say on that. Yeah, no, it was. There's some, yeah, there's some, some good ones in there. <laughs> Okie dokie. So we'll start with the best games then. Number 10, 2010-2011, Hereford United. We won 4-0 at home. Um, so this was the first time that Graham Turner faced Hereford since he left them and became our manager. So it was a hell of a lot riding on that game. And uh, we ran out with a nice, impressive 4-0 victory. So... It will always be known as the Mark Wright derby, this one, Ollie, because um, it was that game where Wrighty banged in his first from 30, sort of 40 yards, well, 30 yards, I think it was, um, got a second from a Sadler cross, and then he set up Shane Cancel Sheriff to nod home, and then he completed his hat trick on 77 minutes. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a cracking performance. I think it was peak Mark Wright there. Um, and the most amazing thing about the game was Hereford really lost their minds towards the end, and Ryan Green got sent off for them, and the Meadow faithful left with a huge smile on their face, um, as no doubt did GT. So it must have been great for Graham Turner to sort of, you know, have that first game back and, and get a victory over his old club. So number nine, uh, the best game at uh, the New Meadow. We've gone for the 4-3 game versus Peterborough um, in 2015-16, which was, I think we, we put this in there because it was just an unbelievably crazy game um, with Town's ch- chances of staying up, um, riding on the outcome of the game at Crew Doncaster. Um, and we look to be heading down because um, Peterborough went 3-0 up against us. Um, and obviously, this was the last game of the season. Um, and, and by 69 minutes, we were basically out of it. And we were worrying then that the, the, I think it was Crew that had to win to relegate us. We were, we were all looking at that result. Um, but the, the reason why we, we put this in at the end is Town staged a dramatic comeback. Um, Akprak Pro scored on 74. Uh, Andy Mangan scored on 85. And Jack Grimmer scored on 89. So we got it back to 3-3. And at that point, we were staying up. And, and the atmosphere in the meadow that day, I remember, was absolutely mad. Um, but that wasn't the end of that game, right? So you think getting back to 3-3 on 89 minutes, Ollie, would have been enough, but there was loads more in that game. So first of all, there was 10 minutes injury time. I don't know if you remember this game, but... Yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> it was 10 minutes injury time, and then John Taylor scored for Peterborough, so we lost 4-3, um, and that was the winning goal. Ian Black then got sent off on 95 minutes, um, and the game ended on the 101st minute. Um, but even then, we still didn't know whether we were going to stay up. We'd obviously lost the game. Um, because we were waiting for the result of Crew Doncaster, which was 30 minutes late. So town fans hung around in the stadium for absolutely ages waiting for um, to find out the result. But Crew then basically grabbed a third goal and, and our safety was secured then. And it was, I think, of all the games we've, we've talked about, there's some really good results. But in terms of crazy games, that was absolutely mad stuff at the Meadow. Yeah, that was a crazy one, a crazy one. And yeah, I remember the extra time. It was a horrible injury, wasn't there? <laughs> yes, yeah, it was a horrible injury and it just kept going on and on. And it's funny because you'd say best games at the, at the Meadow it was, it, we lost it's strange to have a, a loss in that, that Meadow but it's just I think for, for football fans it's the story of what happened that day and at the end of it we were safe for that season you know this was the, the second Mickey set, Mickey Manor season and so sorry the first first Mickey Manor season in League One so you know that was what it was all about really wasn't it and, yeah. and you know at the end of the day we got safe, and, and that was that, really. So, um, yeah, that was number nine. What about number eight, Ollie? Yeah, so this is back in League Two. So it's March, and Town are still unbeaten after a home after 17 games. And, um, yeah, we didn't start very well in this one. So, yeah, we conceded 
after less than a minute. <laughs> and then they scored again after 37 minutes. So it went in 2 0 at half time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it looked like that Oxford were going to yeah, break our record. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, bit of a rollick in a half time. Mark Wright scored a cracking goal on 52 minutes and then proceeding to try and find the second. Um, and then, yeah, then Matt Richards scores an absolute worldie. Um, yeah. And it was 2 all. And yeah, we keep kept the unbeaten run, which unbeaten runs always seem to be quite important for Shrewsbury Town, and we often seem to we do seem to build them up, don't we? Um, yeah. But yeah, that was a great goal. I remember that one. That was a cracking goal, and yeah, an important win to keep the run going. I felt that was one of the best feelings leaving the stadium. I think since we moved there, it was it, that run was so important to us, and, and we really wanted to do the unbeaten season, and it was getting on, and and the goal, the way it capped it all in the last minute, and the, and the the style of the goal was just. Fantastic. I remember the stadium was one of its loudest when that goal went in. So, um, again, yeah, not a win, but just a fantastic game at the Meadow. And, and you know, when you talk about best games, they don't have to all be wins, do they? No. So, yeah, there we go. Um, number seven, we went for the Dagenham and Redbridge Football League trophy game, which we won 5-0. Purely, this one is pure performance. Um, so this was 2008-2009. This was the, the Paul Simpson-Grant Holt season, as we, we discussed before. And we just marched over a Dagenham and Redbridge side. Um with goals from Holt, he got two. Um, Richie Walker scored, Graham Coughlin and Steve Leslie, who we just talked about before. Um, with um, Gilfie Signison played that game, it was probably his best game he had for us. He absolutely pulled the strings in midfield, and I think when you're looking at comprehensive victories, that was a, that was a fantastic result. Yeah, that was a good that was a good one. The next one was yeah the Wrexham Wrexham in, in the league League Two. <laughs> I love this one. <laughs> yeah, um, early in the uh, Simpson era, and probably the last time we played Wrexham in the league, isn't it? Yeah, this season. It was because this was the game that we basically helped Wrexham get relegated. Yeah. Just obviously, Simpson hadn't been there too long after uh, Peters had left, and, and we hadn't been doing very well. But yeah, he um, he, he basically got us a win against our, our old rivals three 0 didn't he? Yeah, yeah it was, I think it's right to call them old rivals because yeah, you can't really be rivals when you don't play each other. Um, so yeah, goals for McIntyre, Moss, and Constable, which is always a bit of a disappointing player. We always thought he could do more than he did. Mm. He never really pushed on, did he? He didn't. He was a huge disappointment, and, and this was the second last game of the season. And it was it was the thing that it relegated Wrexham, but it also secured our status for another year as well, which was random because it was our first win um, for sixteen games. So Paul Simpson hadn't won a game for sixteen games when he joined Shrewsbury Town Football Club. So it was just a combination of really random factors. But because Wrexham always loved you know that that victory over us when we got relegated to the conference, do you remember that? It was a really big game at the end of the season, and they always said, "Oh, they relegated us to the conference," and it was almost like that that sort of reverse justification back then. So. Um, yeah, that was that was in for sort of the the, the sort of memories of obviously a good win and, and us staying up, but also the fact that it, it did something quite damaging to our local rivals. So there we go. We still hate Wrexham. <laughs> um, fifth best game, another comprehensive victory. Um, yeah, seven 0 Ollie Gillingham in the league in uh, two thousand eight two thousand nine. This was just a steamrolled game again, wasn't it? Yeah, we scored a lot of goals this season, didn't we? We had some big, yeah. some big wins, um, and yeah, seven nil against Gillingham. Um, did come to they did get their revenge a little bit in there a few years later, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was um, yeah, it was good, and yeah, it was just I think yeah, we could have scored even more than seven. Um, it was a fantastic yeah. result. It was the biggest league win since 1955, which really does put a mark on it. And and we actually had six different scorers in the game with Mike Jackson, Dave Hibbert, um, Ben Davis got two. Graham Coughlin, Shane Council Sheriff and Grant Holt. Um, and it was a fourth home game of the season under Simpson um, and he basically sort of put his stamp on it, didn't he? And said, look, we're off and running here. 7-0 win. So, um, yeah, that was just a, just a hugely impressive result and, and I think I remember everyone getting very excited early on that season when that result went in. So, um, yeah, there we go. 
so number four was the Charlton 4-3 game from last season under Paul Hurst, which we both missed, Ollie. We had to get my brother on the podcast we to did. talk about this one. Um, so yeah, he's not here now, so we'll have to do, do our best. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a crazy game. Um, and we showed the necessary fight and never say attitude that Paul Hurst was starting to install in the team um, to find a way to win in, in a mad old game. So town led, um, then we went behind and then we got level. And then we went behind and then we got two late goals <laughs> to win the game. Um, and once we were ahead, we didn't let it go finally. So, um, yeah, it was Louis Dodds with, with two good goals, um, Tyler Roberts and Sean Wally with the, the, the fourth goal. Um, and it was a massive win, really, that lifted Salah well away, well away from the relegation troubles. And, and I say we weren't there, but I remember the feeling coming out of it then was we kind of felt like, oh, we were pretty much we were pretty much safe then. And then what so, happened in the next game? Well, yeah, we, we obviously went to lose. But, yeah, no, we did, um, did we lose to Coventry or draw 0-0? I know, we drew 0-0, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, that was it. Um, but I think this one makes it in purely for the entertainment value of that 4-3 game and it and absolutely enthralled everybody from start to finish. So, um, yeah, it's a worthy worthy position for number four, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so the next one, do you want to do the next one, the Dagenham game. Yeah, Dagenham and Redbridge. This was a 1-0 win um, and it was the very last game of 2011-2012. So this one's for the memories really, I think, Ollie. Um, it was the perfect way to cap that perfect season. Um, we still could have won the league that day, um, but we needed Swindon to um, to lose and unfortunately they didn't. They won the, they won the game. But yeah, we sold out the new meadow um, and we deservedly won 1-0 thanks to James Collins and we never looked under threat in that game really and secured our, our promotion under Graham Turner. Um and yeah, the unbeaten home season was complete. Um, and in total, GT hadn't lost um, a game since March 2011. And so that was 32 games unbeaten at home um, during that run, which was mad. And then obviously you had the pitch invasion, Grandison singing and, and everyone going out in town the night after. And memories that last forever. But it was just a fantastic way to cap that season, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was a good end to, good end to the season. It was, it certainly was. Um, yeah, so number two and, and number one, really for us, were very tight Um and we've, we've gone for one um, purely because it just doesn't happen very often. But number two, second best home game we had, we, we've gone for the Sheffield Wednesday 3-2 win. Um, and that was just a, a proper FA Cup tie, wasn't it, Ollie? Yeah, it was. So it was Sheffield Wednesday at home, um, 3-2. Yep. Um, what was Jack Grimmer doing? And where did he come from um, to kind of get the, yeah, to kind of like, yeah, the highlight of the game? Um, and yeah, it was a, a, yeah, a yeah, proper kind of cup tie, wasn't it? A classic kind of cup tie. Um, yeah. With a late late yeah. show, um, with ter- with Wally turning a rebound, um, and then Vernon just kind of showing a moment of class, which he didn't do enough. Another, His only moment of class. Another frustrating player that you know showed more, you know, could have done more than he than he did, um, and then Grimmer just yeah, right, flying up from right back. I remember the manager saying he didn't know what he was doing there, and he probably didn't know either. Um, and then he heads it in, right back heads the ball into the back of the net, and everyone just yeah. goes absolutely mental. The the moment of a last minute goal as well that really capped the sort yeah. of. And I think to me, you know, you talk about beating Everton as the best FA Cup game, you know, for in recent memory, but this is the second best. I think you know, it's it's definitely the best FA Cup. Cup home game we've had since beating Everton and um, yeah just that that last match we were so bad in the league at that point which made it even more special and I just just remember that was one of those special special new meadow moments really that, we, that we've had um, so yeah we were into the fifth round which was, was crazy wasn't it so yeah we all remember that one very vividly because it wasn't yeah. very long ago but um, it's just been pipped to first place by one of the very early games so this is 2010-2011 and it's the the second well the first as it will Charlton 4-3 game um, where this was the one where we did come from 3-0 down um, so this was under Graham Turner and his return to the meadow had only been three days earlier and he'd won obviously won the first game 3-1 versus Bradford and he went on to top that with a great comeback um, possibly one of the greatest club comebacks, comebacks in the club's history um, I think we 
back in the day people were looking at that and they couldn't really find any games where we'd come back from 3-0 down and had won it so Charlton News class in the first half I remember them being really really good and, and they led on 3-0 by 33 minutes and we thought oh well sh- typical Shrewsbury Town League Cup performance we're going to be knocked out earlier um, but Town did keep trying to play attractive football under Graham Turner didn't they and, and they certainly did in this game and Charlton had a little bit of a young team and, and started to panic really as soon as Jake Robinson got one back um, on the 36th minute and then basically Town went sort of crazy scoring they scored on 42 um, which uh, Yado Mambo who came on to play for us down the line um, he scored an own goal then our centre-back Danny O'Donnell scored on 61 do you not um, remember him <laughs> yeah he, was, he wasn't too bad Daniel O'Donnell compared to some of the rubbish centre-backs we've had and then yeah send the meadow into absolute raptures Matt Harold on the 76th minute and, and it was absolute strict, strict madness I put here um, and we held on and celebrated the ultimate comeback as I say it, I say I did put a stat here. It, it only happened once in the club's history before that we'd been three 0 down and one four three. So you know this is a club with what 130 odd years of history. That's a very special result. Yeah, it is, and I think also for me this game was kind of um, a bit of a marker in terms of atmosphere at the Meadow. It was the yes, first, one of the first times where we really made a lot of noise. Um, I thought, yeah, it was, a, it was a good, it was a good result. Good. Yeah, but there's one game. So, so defense to Glenn. Glenn didn't put this together, and he's done a great job putting this together. But there's one game I can't believe that's missing, Glenn. So I'm going to be Go controversial. That the three-all draw against MK Dons. That was for me as a classic game. You remember that one? It's in the list, Ollie. Much further down. It's just further <laughs> down. Didn't make the top well, ten. There's, yeah, there's a lot of good games in there. But yeah, for me, that was a good one, a good game as well. Yeah, there's another three-three result I was looking at when I was doing all this. Uh, Ipswich in the League Cup, which was also a cracking yeah. game as well. But you could talk about beating Dagenham four-nil in 2007-8, beating Sheffield United two-nil in 13-14. Yeah, there's so yeah. yeah, there's so many results. So what we're going to do is going to put a, a sort of um, an article together on our website yeah. about these games because it was really it's been good fun research in this to be honest with you and I say that game is on the list but um, it didn't make the top 10 when we looked at it no. so there we go I'm sure lots of people will have their favourites as well but it's it's subjective unfortunately so tough <laughs> um, So, but um, yeah we'll move on to the worst games now so the worst 10 games then at the New Meadow since we moved yeah. there <sighs> Man, Ollie, this is going to be some depressing chat now. <laughs> I'll start us off then with number 10. We went for um, Morecambe in 2009-2010, um, which was 2-3. Um, it was the last home game of the season, and, and basically all town fans wanted it just to finish. <laughs> um, and it ended in hugely disappointing fashion. Um, and admittedly, an entertaining game versus Morecambe, but it's just just the season, really. Um so yeah, we fell two down to sixth place Morecambe and battled back um, through Vandenbroke and Tom Bradshaw. Um, but un- annoyingly, Dave Artell, um, who was playing for Morecambe at the time, popped up with the winner on 68 minutes to bag uh, his second game, the goal of the game actually, and condemned town to another home loss. Um, and we were managerless. Um, this was the game we talked about previously, Ollie, where yep. Simpson had left on the Friday night and we just didn't have a manager. Um, and after the third goal, the life completely went out of everything in the stadium. Um, and Kevin McIsaac also missed a penalty, which didn't help. And this was the last game of the season and I remember this game Ollie so vividly almost everybody left and nobody stayed for the post-season lap of honour this is why I put it in because it was so depressing and I remember staying like just because you always do don't you and, but oh my god people just went they were like I've had enough of this football club and walked out and it god I don't know if you were there that game but it was so so depressing yeah I would have been there <laughs> it was so bad I so, can't remember it though it's really odd I sometimes yeah. my memory for games I just I think I maybe just tried to black, black it out yeah I think you have to do that with some of these games going forward Ollie but that, that was why we put it in there it's just because you know it was one of those ones where we, we were just it capped off a terrible terrible season really and everyone was feeling and um, yeah everyone went before the lap of honour which showed you showed you enough so yeah, you go. yeah. it was a 2-3 two, two, loss at home to Morecambe in number 10th place so yeah number nine we've gone for this was just mickey mellon's mickey mellon's dream league one ready players <laughs> this game just kind of summed it all up wasn't it and yeah 
put us put me in, put us into a fit of rage. God, yeah. So yeah, so we go ahead two nil. Ah, this is nice. This is refreshing. This is different. This is something. You no, know, we're we're an enjoyable experience. And then we decide to throw it all away, <laughs> and we end up losing three two at home to Gillingham. Um, and yeah, they scored in the 94th minute. Um, and it was just, I've had a friend of mine at this game as well. Um, and it was just absolutely diabolical, pathetic defending, just everything that this, this game sums up the Mickey Mellon era in league one. Perfectly. Yeah, it does, isn't it? It was, it was such a stupid game. Men versus boys and just, just so, yeah, it comes back to, yeah, the kebab eating league one team (laughs) that he he, he created. And it was a 94th minute goal as well, which was a pure sickness. Because too fat, yeah, too fat and unfit. That's why we struggled. (laughs) It was a crap game. I said they played like zombies in the second half. It was, that was a good description of how they were. And I said Gillingham weren't even particularly good that season. So, um, yeah, there we go. That's a worthy, worthy recipient of being in the top 10 place in this list. Um, Number eight, I went for... um, I say I went for we went for Wigan um, in 2015-16, which is it's probably a little bit a little bit harsh, but it was a five-one smash smashing at home really. So we got absolutely shelled, didn't we, in that game? Um, yeah. And they were they were the soon-to-be league leaders at that point, but town for woeful. Um, and Wigan just basically took advantage of a really really bad performance. Um, and yeah, so <laughs> Zach Whitbread got sent off as well. Um, so we only had ten men, and Kai Kai we actually gone ahead. Kai Kai had scored um, and put us ahead, but. Um, yeah, it was one of those ones where the sense of frustration is the sort of relegation worries reared their head again. Um, and yeah, it was it was the record loss at home since we moved in the 10 years. So yeah, you know, that, to be the biggest loss we've had at home in, in 10 years, it, it deserves to be on this list, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. It definitely does. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, and then Rotherham, we've got uh, number seven, Rotherham losing 3-0 at home to Rotherham in 2013-14. Um, so this was our sixth defeat in the row at this point under Graham Turner. Um, and his lone army, as we discussed before, put in a, a truly dreadful performance. Um, Town were dead and buried after 21 minutes. Rotherham raced into a 3-0 lead. Um, and we hadn't scored at home at this point for over eight hours. Can, again, this is one of those games you probably don't remember, but you can probably remember when you listen to these stats about how angry we were. And the anger was absolutely palpable. Um, and this was one of the first games during that season where there were real loud calls for Graham Turner to go, and it was very numerous. So, yeah, we had two injured players on the bench, and the team were in absolute shambles. Uh, Town dropped into the relegation zone, and Turner we did. We really struggled to put a team together in this era, didn't we? We did, yeah. Yeah, and Town were in the relegation zone and Turner left four days later. So that was the real end of Graham Turner era. And it was just a combination of such dreadful football and, and, and really depressing, you know, going into the meadow at that point. But yeah, you know, again, whether you were there or not, I, re- I remember that game and it was just truly yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah. And the, the next one wasn't much better, was it? It was so there, this game's a, a kind of a symbol, really, of the, of the Mike Jackson era. It was. So yeah, losing um, 3-1 at home in the League One in the 2013-14 season to Crew. Oh, um, we were down 3-0. And not only that, Crew were, crew were at the bottom of the league as well. And then, yeah, Tom, uh, Tom Bradshaw goal, one of his few that he scored for us. But yeah, it was just, just poor. And it just kind of, you know, I can remember this game and it was just... It was like you knew we were going down, didn't you, when we lose that badly? Yeah, we it, that put us five points from safety with three games to go, didn't it? And, and you just, you know, you could hear the fat lady was sort of singing then for us, really. But um, oh, it, it was bad, wasn't it, to be fair? And, and, yeah. you know, it was a, an awful, awful game, that one, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, rightly deserves to be in there. Fifth worst, we've gone for... Um, Probably the game that everyone remembers for controversial reasons was the the ghost goal game. Yeah. Wickham in 2010-11. So, um, yeah, Wickham. I put in the agenda here, the ghost goal game, Jesus, this one cost us. <laughs> um, I shouldn't really say that on Christmas, should I? <laughs> but there we go. Um, it was an entertaining game, but one looking back that cost us a lot. And you can't shake that frustration off, can you? Um, 
and that could be because the goal that Gareth Ames was scored never crossed the line. Um, ben Smith scooped it away, didn't he? Um, yeah. And also, I look back at the highlights of this game. It was one of the games that Shrewsbury Town put some of the highlights from. And oh my God, when you remember this game, we wasted so many chances. They actually played really well in this game, but we just could not score a goal. And obviously, the Wickham goal was, was not fair. So um, the, the referee seemed hell-bent on um, actually ruining us in that game because it wasn't just the, the ghost goal if you remember we had two stonewall penalties given against us and he almost gave every single free kick to them as well and it was just we put it in there for basically the most infuriating afternoon at the new meadow um in 10 years i put um and it all but nailed on that we were only going to get to the playoffs and obviously the playoffs didn't go our way um so yeah never forgive never forget i think that's the case on this one but god just just it has to be in the top 10 for just the pure infuriating time that we had in that game <laughs> it was. It was, and he was just. It was just. It just seemed. And I'm not saying the referee was necessarily bribed or something, but because <laughs> you know, even the Wickham manager and the member of the Wickham players, you know, and the Wickham fans, you know, didn't yeah. celebrate the goal. And I think one of the things that was, yeah stood out for me in a memory that I also think I also remember is when the FA's report came out and said that the the referee didn't take into account the surroundings or anything. It was just like he was so narrow minded. He didn't think that. Oh, actually, the opposition fa- the the opposition fans behind the goal didn't celebrate. Well, yeah. maybe. Oh, I'm sure I'm right, but they were wrong. It was just it was odd. Uh, it, was anno- it was it was truly annoying. And as I say, it's 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 one of those games that is in the annals of our history now, just because of what happened and, and the unique situation yeah. that occurred. But um, yeah, it only makes number five in our list, which tells you about the the, the absolute results <laughs> coming up above this. But um, yeah, number four, um, we've gone for. Uh, a 4-2 loss to Peterborough at home in 2013-14 and this was this game that basically confirmed our relegation um, back to League 2 so I put yeah put on the agenda the guillotine fell um, we needed to win and, and Town had a go but we were just ultimately outclassed as relegation back to League 2 was confirmed um, John Taylor got an early goal but three quick fire goals from Peterborough um, finished the game before half time um, a goal apiece in the second half wasn't enough for us um, Bradshaw scored another one of those goals that didn't count for anything um, but Posh missed a penalty and actually missed tons more chances to actually beat us by more than 4-2 and that was it okay, nails was, in the coffin so much better than us weren't yeah. they yeah, and we were out fought as well during the whole game on, in a game we had to win, which was sort of the, the summary of the season, I thought, to be honest with you. And the amount of booze at the final whistle, <laughs> it was uh, it was unbelievable, really. But yeah, that was just a truly a disheartening game at the, and a disheartening moment at the game, Edo, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <sighs> and yeah, talking of yeah, trying to do yeah, in terms of playoffs, you, the next one we've got for the Torquay, nil yes, nil. Yes, oh, it was. And it was, this is the thing <sighs> that frustrating for this is the and what you've put here is you know in terms of the whole season and. Yeah, when you get to playoff final, you expect you expect a bit of effort, don't you? Yeah. And this was just a, a really, really poor game. And yeah, we couldn't even create any chances, um, and it was dull and boring. And yeah, it was um, yeah. <laughs> and also, there was not just the season, was it? It was also the special season in terms of the anniversary as well of 125 years. It was. And it was just like yeah, it was like a. I can't think of the saying now. You know, it was just like after the Lord Mayor show, it was just nothing, was it? It was. It was a non-event. It was. It was. You're right. It was this the confirmation that a season's worth of hard work and good football was ruined. You know, six days previously in the two-nil loss at Torquay, and then then during this nil-nil home game, and yeah, the mountain was was going to be too tough to climb, wasn't it? From from two goals down in the first leg, um, and it was one. Unfortunately, we never even started to climb because Torquay played really defensively, didn't they? And we just we just didn't. You know, even though we had goals in that team, we just couldn't find a way through. Um, and you're right. It, I put we didn't create a chance of note. I read that in the match report. I read um, which you know basically says. All we need to know about that game um and if anything Torquay created more chances in the game um 
So yeah, there we go. And the, and the less said about the fact that during that game, the club allowed our on loan player Jake Robinson to play for Torquay, which just kind Why of why would you do that? Just kind of caps off that, really, doesn't it? Um, Who was the manager at that time? Uh, this must have been under Turner, wasn't it? Yeah, two thousand and ten and eleven. Yeah, it was under Turner. Naive, it? isn't it? Yeah, no, it was naive. It was, uh, you know, it was a mistake, wasn't it? Really, and I think that was the most frustrating thing about that whole playoff campaign was how we let that happen. But yeah, the hundred twenty fifth anniversary celebrations—they went down an absolute squib, didn't they? Um, yeah. yeah, and it was just really, just really disappointing for all the good work we'd had that season. It just—it felt like a real missed opportunity, didn't it? Unfortunately, but yeah, there we go. So that was that was number three for for that feeling. Um, number two, this is a game that I reckon, unless you were there, not one single I was fan there. will I was remember it. But I'm, I'm. We've agreed, or slightly agreed, haven't we, that this is almost certainly one of the worst games we saw at the New Meadow. It was a truly, truly bad game of football. Like, both teams were bad, and we were worse. And it was losing 1-0 to Oldham in 2015-16 at home. And and a lot of people at the time, and ever since I've called this the worst game at the New Meadow, um, Oldham hadn't won for two months and were rock bottom. And what followed in that game was the most lifeless and inept display that we've seen from Shrewsbury Town in years. We and this was the game where Ger- Anthony Gerrard, who we'd mocked mercilessly for months, came back to play for Oldham three days after leaving us, and was statuesque at the back for Oldham. Which just we shows you how score. poor we are that we made him look good. <laughs> it was so bad, um, and basically at that point, Town hadn't won at home in the league for three months either, which was not ideal either. Um, and it was just, and then this was the thing I remember about this: it was absolutely freezing cold. And it was grim, and it was one of the worst feelings to be a Shrewsbury Town fan then. And <laughs> in the whole game, we had one shot on target against Oldham, who were bottom of the league. And it was just that game where you thought, how does it get any worse than that? Do you know what I mean, Ollie? It, it, yeah. In terms of a performance, it was it was absolutely abject, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And it just, it was just, oh yeah, I just keep want to say League One ready again. It just, <laughs> it was poor, wasn't it? And yeah, it was, and it would kind of be long after that that um, he had to go, was it? Yeah, it just it was it was just so bad, wasn't it? I think it was a bit later on, wasn't it? I didn't put that in the agenda, but I think I think you're right about that. But um, yeah, there we go. But that does not take the worst game of the Meadow title, and I think that this is one where probably most people would probably have, have guessed it because yeah, to definitely. everybody, I think it feels like the worst performance, doesn't it? So yeah, go on. What was it, Ollie? What takes the crown? So yeah, I, I actually I have to be honest, I was I wasn't actually at this game. <gasps> I don't Ollie. know why I wasn't. I managed to survive this one. I don't know why. I can't remember why I wasn't there. You know, it's not like me to miss a Shrewsbury Town game. <laughs> but yeah, the it was the one nil win, um, to win one nil defeat at home <laughs> to Staines. And um, yeah, and in terms of the context, Glenn, what 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 makes this this game worse? Because obviously you can lose in the FA Cup, but what's the context here? Well, we crashed out to a Blue Square North side at the time. I don't know if it's called that anymore. Probably isn't. But yeah, they were Blue Square North, which I think is Conference North or Conference South. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, Ali Chalaban scored the winner, didn't he? It was enough to give them their biggest ever victory in the club's history. Um, it ran 30 yards and beat three men, and we just stood and watched and, and then proceeded to miss an absolute ton of sitters. Um, and Paul Simpson, after the game, said, I don't want to sound disrespectful to Stames, but they, as they deserve to win, but that is not the Shrewsbury Town team that should be losing to Staines Town. And I think every Shrewsbury Town fan agreed that. Yeah, so I was going to run through the team, Ollie, because um, it isn't a team that should have lost, but it also had some poor players in. So Chris Neal was in goal, and then we had Graham Coughlin, Shane Cancel Serif, playing at the back, alongside Harry Hooman. Do you remember him? Yeah. 
Yeah. And then Paul Murray, Lewis Neal in midfield. Lewis Neal was rubbish, wasn't he? Josh Ladderby, yeah. who didn't really impress you in this game, um, who got subbed for Jake Simpson at one point, so that shows you how much of a bad game he had. Kevin McIntyre, um, Kelvin Langmead, Dave Hibbert, Jake Robinson, who got subbed at half time for Chris Bright. <laughs> so you've got to be pretty bad but to get it, subbed But it off. wasn't, you know, they were seasoned professionals at this they point. They were, yeah, they? they were, to be honest with you, but still, you know, not one of our better teams, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, it was it was a truly, truly dreadful performance. We hardly had any shots. Um, it went, and they they did it was a bit of a breakaway performance really from from Staines wasn't it but you know the possession was fairly equal um, and you know we we had a lot of shots off target but we only had three three attempts um, off target and I think five on target during the game which wasn't much more than Staines had it's just it was embarrassing wasn't it really embarrassing losing to yeah. Bly the way was embarrassing and losing to Histon away was embarrassing but this was twice as embarrassing because it was the, I love the quote from Paul um, from Paul Simpson the players have put in a, on a performance that was disrespectful for the club, football club <laughs> and disrespectful for me and maybe we've learned some unfortunate heart lessons about some individuals yep. that, that, that's a sentence and a half and he said the quality in the box was, just, was a disgrace in the end we got what we deserved <laughs> And yeah. then, then their manager said, I felt we were the better team for long periods of the game. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was bad, wasn't it? And, and yeah. as I say, Blyther I think... It was bad as well, wasn't it? But but this was at home, which is which is even more dis- disrespectful. So, yeah, I, that, that, those, that quote has put a smile on my face. <laughs> the players put on a, on a performance that was disrespectful to the football club. I and mean, I'll put that on Twitter, I think. N- name the game. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I think everyone will guess to us because it was disrespectful, yeah. wasn't it? And they, it was one of those ones where it was like you could sh- legitimately shout, "You're not fit to wear the shirt." After that one, so I think that's a worthy, worthy winner. But again, you know, yeah. people will come back and say, "Oh, I can't believe a certain game is in, isn't in. I can't believe this, can't believe that." And you know, as I say, we've got this long list. You know, some of the other results that just missed out, we had, you know, losing two three to Morecambe at home, losing two four to Northampton at home, that terrible nil nil against Coventry that we talked about before um, uh, last season, and you know, just tons and tons of. Awful games. We also, I also wanted to include the Wolves game where we lost one nil really near the end because we played well in that game, but it was just a sickness to lose to you know Wolves in League One that season. Yeah. We'll, we'll do the we'll do the list and we'll put it up on the website and everyone can have a read through what we thought. Um, so there we go, best and worst games. We're just going to go through quickly now and, and finish this off soon, but we're going to um, we're going to go through the best and worst moments now. Mendes Lang and a chance for McQuaid. It's four, and that might just send Shrewsbury down into League Two now. So we've gone. For, we've gone to do a list of best and worst moments at the Meadow. These aren't games, you know. These are specific, you know, seconds in time where something happened that was just a magical moment. So um, we'll run through these best moments, Ollie. But uh, you know, these are ones we've you know basically already talked about a little bit. But these were these are fantastic times. So number five, we've gone for the goal that James Constable scored when he rattled in a Dave Hibbert save penalty, which put Shrewsbury three 0 up over Wrexham in two thousand eight, which virtually relegated them, which we've just discussed. So yeah, it was a great moment. Um, the pitch invasion after completing the unbeaten season in 2011-12 after beating Dagenham was number four. Number three, we've gone for that moment where Jack Grimmer headed the goal in versus Sheffield Wednesday and everyone went mental. Number two, we've gone for Andy Mangan's goal versus Chelsea, which we haven't talked about, but that moment was fantastic, wasn't it, Ollie? Yeah, no, that's a good one. And then number one, we've gone for Matt Richards' goal um, to keep the unbeaten run going in 2002, which just for a pure moment um, for me always stands out. So, yeah, they're the best moments that we've gone for. So for the worst, we've gone for number five, um, not a football-related thing, but the time it took to get rid of Clippy the Lion from the front of the ground and the shirts. Um, so, yeah, it took, took a long time, but we got there in the end. Um, number four, we've gone for the Wickham goal goal. We've just talked about that. Number three, 
We've gone for Neil Ashton lobbing over his own keeper in the first leg of that Berry playoff game, which we we didn't talk about, but that was a horrible moment, wasn't it, when we thought we'd, we'd ruined the playoffs? But luckily we didn't, um, not until the final. Number two, we've gone for the final whistle of the Staines Town match in the FA Cup. And number one, something we haven't talked about, was when we were leading Port Vale 1-0 and someone set fire to the, the light box and everything got cancelled and we had to get escorted out of the stadium, Ollie. That was, were you there that night? Yeah, I was, yeah. It's a bit embarrassing. We had a few light issues in those days, didn't we? Yeah, it almost cost us though, didn't it, that game? Because it was quite, you know, getting on towards the end of the season and it almost could have cost us in that promotion race. And obviously we went on to win the replay. But yeah, it was just in terms of bad moments of shooting yourself in the foot, really. That, that was our worst moment. So there we go. That was just a little look at some of the moments anyway. But we're going we're gonna to go straight into managers now, Ollie. Um, and before we wrap this up. And here come the home side. The last chance, surely. It is Vernon on the left. There are bodies in the box. It is Scott Vernon driving towards the goal. He's still going. It is in there. It's there. They have won it with the last prick of the game. And Shrewsbury score through Grimmer. I'm going to ask you, of all the managers we had during that period, what? how do you rank them, Ollie? Yeah, I would say... Um... Uh, from 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 best to worst, I've gone for Paul Hurst first because he's just you know fantastic in terms. Of, yeah, what he's done. I think Graham Turner second, um, because I think he did a good job. And then it starts getting a bit tough. <laughs> I think I'm going to go for Gary Peters because he did a job of stabilising us. He's only there for one season. Yeah. And then who else am I going to go for then? And then in terms of getting kind of worse, I'm going to go for. I'm going to turn around now. So I'm going to go. So I've got Paul Hurst first, then Graham Turner, um, then I've got third. Um, I've got um, Peters going down. Fourth, I'm going to go for Danny Coyle because I just don't think he really had much of a chance. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Five, I'm going to John Marne. And then then I'm going to go for... That leaves me with just... Yeah, that just leaves me with just... Paul Simpson, doesn't it? Yeah. With um, with Mike Jackson last, so I think Paul's so Mike Jackson last because he just didn't do anything, did he? And he had quite a few games, so I'm going to be harsh there. I'm going to say he's the worst, but and Paul Simpson's seventh, which some people might have surprised from, but I think he had such a good team, um, yeah. he could have done a lot more. And Mike Jackson, because did he even win a game? I don't know. Who, um, Mike Jackson. Yeah, yeah, he won a few, didn't he? He actually had like you know from January onwards, so he had a it long was time, didn't he? Terrible performance period, but he didn't really have much chance. It was a bit harsh, but yeah, I, def- I think and you know some of the managers have, have done some good things. So Mickey Mellon has got his promotion to kind of to thank yeah. you know to keep him up there, and it's also same as Graham Turner as well. Um, but I think the one thing to kind of note that none of those managers have gone on to do anything. You know, obviously Paul Hurst, I think we think will. Uh, Paul Simpson has gone on to manage the England in the twenties, but yeah. no, that's not it's not the same as managing a first team team. And yeah, let's say that yeah, the, while the chairman has done a great job in certain things, picking managers is not his forte. And it's I'd say Brian Cordwell is probably going to take the credit for Paul Hurst. Yeah, he's the outlier, isn't he? When you look at that, I don't think yeah. anyone could really argue that Paul Hurst could be first, even though we hadn't really had the more games. Than everyone else and and Turner second. It's close between those two. There's the nostalgia thing with Graham Turner, but um, it didn't end particularly well at the end of that run, didn't it? And and you can't really say that Paul Hurst has put a foot wrong yet so I think that's fine I think Mickey yeah. Mellon yeah you can easily go third for that I totally agree with that and if you take out the, the temporary managers obviously John McMahon and, and Danny Coyne only had three and four games um, so then you start to look at the, the other managers I think I agree with you Peter's above Simpson um, Mike Jackson um, right down the bottom for me he just was, was not very good was he so no. yeah I think, and I he think had such a good team that's the yeah. thing isn't he you've got to put in context of what he did and what, what, what they achieved but yeah 
I like Gary Peters, but you know we've got to remember that he didn't manage us for often. You know he managed his best period was pre New Meadow, wasn't it? The so last season at the Meadow, which was, um, and the seasons where he stabilised us as a club was key, and would always be grateful for that. And then the last bit, Ollie, the future of the stadium. Obviously, yep. we've got safe standing coming along. You know, there's the opportunity to fill the corners in, whether that's temporarily for big cup games or for permanently one day down the line. Who knows if we go up to the championship? And obviously, there's a lot of things we could say about the facilities that need to be improved, i.e. Let's sort experience, yeah. <laughs> toilets, bar. Um, there's a few things. I think it's worth saying, while the club has done fantastically well, you know, I think the size of the the services and amenities and stuff could be a bit bigger, couldn't they? The club shop is just too small. Yeah. Um, there's a few things like that, which um, in hindsight, um, I'm sure the club would have done things a bit differently there. Mm. And, and we're talking, you know, this is a recap of 10 years, but it, it's, it's not unfair to say that the actual stadium environment... In some, maybe this is a little bit harsh, but in ten years we, we've kind of stood a little bit still. And it's only yeah. recent innovations under Brian um, and a little bit under the, the last CEO, where you know the, the fan zone, which isn't really part of the stadium, but there are certain things that you know in terms of the maintenance and the operation of the stadium, it's stood still and it needs work on it, doesn't it? And if we're still talking about that in ten years' time, we're probably going to be in a bit of trouble. So. It's lots, lots of positive things to talk about though, because safe standing is going to be fantastic, and yep. you know the the way that we're heading and and the the way that the, the venue operates. To be honest with you, you know it it does it does make us that money that enables us to be you know a suitable League One team now, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it doesn't. And I think it was worth just to say that um, you know as a summary, you know the club has definitely moved forward, haven't they, in, in yes. the new surroundings, and it's been a you know a great move where we're not in debt. I mean, look, a lot of clubs um, around us locally, um, are also yeah, geographically have you know gone under and really struggled, and yeah, the new the stadium has really enabled us to move forward, and and now we have the honour of calling it the war the water I don't know Montgomery Waters <laughs> Meadow or Memory or something stadium, but everyone calls it the Meadow, don't they? They do, and it'll always be, no matter what you know it, it is, the Gay Meadow, the New Meadow, the Montgomery Waters Meadow, the Green Meadow, you know, we always play <laughs> at, at the Meadow, don't we? And yeah, whatever exactly. sponsorship comes in down the line, they're going to have to lump that because Shrewsbury Town fans will not be moved. It is our stadium and it is our meadow, and, and yeah. we're the ones that are the, the gatekeepers of it, aren't we? So unless, unless I got really rich and called it the Ollie Warner Stadium, maybe that would catch on. <laughs> you can have a stand named after you, Ollie. That's, that's yeah. enough. Um, but there we go. So that's that's our recap of 10 years at the Meadow. It's been an, it's been an exciting time and I think that hopefully that's brought back some good and bad memories for everybody and um, yeah we'd like to wish everybody sort of we're a bit late for Christmas but we'll wish everybody a happy new year Ollie I think yeah happy new year and yeah hopefully we'll have yeah some some good memories some more memories in the future so yeah if we're if we're going in another 10 years we'll have a 20 year recap but yeah hopefully the, the end of the next season and start of 2018 is going to be a fun season and, and yeah there's, there's a lot of um, some tough memories in the ten years in the meadow, mm. so hopefully we can have some, yeah, some some more positive ones going forward. Well, it's fair to say that you know we've not included the start of this season, have we? Because obviously no. that's the eleventh season, but exactly. there's already been some great memories, home memories this season, hasn't there? To be honest yeah. with you, with the unbeaten run at the start of the season, so yeah, long may it continue, and yeah, happy new year to everybody, happy and we shall be back covering all the Christmas and New Year games um, sometime soon, and yeah, we shall see you in 2018. Oh!